man. There's always so much pressure. Wonderful. Uh, okay. Um, good morning, everyone. I'm Dave Grant. Hi, everyone online. It's, I'm really glad that, um, that you're joining us as well. I think it's awesome that Amanda is going and sharing, like not just attending at Valley Springs for the ordination of their pastor, but participating in it, um, just a part of who we are as a church in our community, that we're part of a bigger picture. And um, she also texted me this morning that she received a text from Jared Osborne from Pathway. Um, a bunch of us are familiar with Jared. He's shared with us before. And he had this prayer for us this morning that he's praying that our church, the branches, is filled with the Spirit, that people are saved and healed and set free, that people are readied for their mission, and that Jesus shines as our resurrected Lord among our gathering. So um, that's awesome. I think we should just pray and ask for that um, in unison with the broader church together. Let's do that really quickly. God, Um, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would continue to move and work in this place. Thank you that you have been faithful to show up, and we desire more of you. We want to see your glory. Come, show us how we can be members of your kingdom, and we just ask for a special revelation of all that you are here today, and um, that it would be something that explodes into our community and in our world. Um, Thank you for how you are moving. In your son's name, amen. All right, I've been super excited about this series Um, Because I really like, you know, a lot of us have invested a lot in branches. We want to see this thing work, right? Otherwise, why would we have put all of our time and efforts into growing this thing? And we have this mission uh, as individuals who are connected with the vine Jesus, who have a heart to branch out to Warsaw to see the transformation of lives for this kingdom of God. And that's our, our mission statement. And then we have this vision statement to help us to move forward in a direction for now in that in that direction, right, as Jesus is building um, a community that is spirit-centered and and loving. And this series of Jesus at the Table is intended to help us to put some of that into um, practical steps for us to learn and to move as members of this kingdom of God. So we looked at how in this series, you can move on to the next slide. Um, I'm sorry, one more. I jumped ahead. Um, We have looked and we understand that as Jesus is building this community, He's building, he's building a community that doesn't reject broken people, but pursues them, that we recognize that a doctor comes to heal the sick. I'm one of those, and I needed to be saved, and that's who's God, who God's heart beats for and moves us to go after as we move. The second thing that we, we lovingly reject um, false value assessments that we recognize that a world is built on the structures of, of evil, that it sets up lines in the sand of who is in and who is out. And we want to tear those down because we recognize that God's heart is for all people, all that he created, and for a heart to redeem all of of his creation. And that's who we pursue as we move as members of this kingdom of God. Last week, Amanda talked about how in this kingdom that Jesus is building, that there is abundance, just as Jesus cared for the 5,000 in the same way as he sent out his disciples to go and serve, that they were to trust and just rest. No, someone invites them into their house all of their needs are met at this place. There is abundance in this kingdom, in this community, this loving community that God is building. And today, we're going to look at um, Jesus, Mary and Martha, uh, having dinner today, today and um, what we learn from that is that you have a particular role to play. So um, thinking about how I can communicate where we're going with that is, yes, you have a particular role. Everything that you are, everything that God created you to, to be you have a role to play, just of your own. It's different from mine. And I thought, um, well, I, I've talked some about my younger brother, Daniel, um, the big guy. Um, so I thought I'd maybe talk a little bit about my older brother, James. 
Um, so Daniel and I, and if you remember last time I shared, come at the world from completely different perspectives. Similarly, James and I are very different people. Um, so one example of that is um, in how we learned to downhill ski. In junior high, uh, we got into, into downhill skiing. There's a place about five, ten minutes from our house, um, a resort. And so we'd go a couple times a week um, throughout the winter months. And uh, my older brother, so James would go with his friend, and as he's learning, they would just take off and go to whichever, whichever run on the mountain that they could hit. And, you know, it didn't scare them if it was Black Diamond. Gravity was going to work. They'd make it down to the bottom. And they'd kind of learn while doing. And um, he did injure his face a number of times. Um, it's true. Um, I, I was coming and I thought, man, I can't do that. This is the moneymaker. So <laughs> I, I decided I would go to the... I would, my, the way I learn is I learn by mechanics. Like I want to understand how this works. So I went to the bunny hill and I would spend my time learning how to snowplow. I learned how to stop. That's kind of important when you're racing down a mountain. I uh, learned how to turn properly and do the snowplow into a parallel turn. And I just wanted to understand how this should work so that I can move forward in a good way. So as I improved, I was able to move on to the intermediate slopes. I could move on to the black diamond slopes. And I was fine because, you know, I kind of knew how to do it. And at the end of the day, my brother and I both ended in the same place. We were about at the same level. We just kind of came at it from completely different directions. So that's where we're going. We're moving, we're moving together. And it doesn't matter. You've got your role. I've got my role. We're all going to end in the same place as long as we're pursuing this kingdom. That's, that's where we want to go. And I believe that's what Jesus is teaching us from our passage today. So let's look at it. We're going to look at Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being considered about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. So there are a lot of different perspectives on how to understand this passage. Some believe that Jesus is saying that it's really important for us to be contemplative and and just put a relationship, deepening in a relationship with God above everything else, above any distractions of the world. Other people say that Jesus is talking about true hospitality, that he's saying true hospitality is being present with the people in front of you rather than getting caught up in all of those other things. And some see this as a slam dunk for women in the church is that, you know, being in the, king, in the kitchen is woman's work, but God instead valued being at his feet and being a disciple. So as I was looking through this, um, for those of you who don't know, like, like how the sausage is made here at Branches, Amanda with the, the preaching team, she provides us with resources to help and guide us, so we're all moving together as a team. And uh, so she had provided some resources to help to look at this passage. And so I was looking through those. I was trying to study and see where we were going with this. I had kind of an idea in mind, but I wasn't feeling really settled with it. And then, uh, so earlier this week, Amanda reached out and she said the exact same thing. And she's like, I gave you this stuff. I'm just not sure that I think that this is really right. So we both said, okay, we're just gonna go back and, uh, and look and see what else we could find. So I just spent some time 
reading over the entire book of Luke and trying to take a broader look and understand what is, what is Luke trying to communicate in here about, or what Jesus was communicating about what it is to be a disciple, kind of trying to see it in context. And I looked at some other resources. At the same time, Amanda provided some, and we landed in exactly the same place. It was really cool. We kind of like found something. It's like, yep, this is it. This is what we think. So that's, that's what I wanted to say today is I think that this is what, the, what God has for us from this passage today. I think it's an accurate understanding of what we're going, what, where we're going. I did find, and I just want to, you know, give credit where credit is due. I leaned into a paper by Christopher Hudson, who's the associate dean at the College of Biblical Studies at Albion Christian University, for some of the ideas that we have here today. Um, but what I what I found is, um, you know, all the the gospels were written by an, an author who had an inten- a particular intention in mind, and how Luke went about doing a lot of what he wanted to do with his gospel was to tell stories and groupings to help to communicate a broader picture. So the, in, what's going on around the passage that we're looking at today is Jesus is moving toward the end of his ministry. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be crucified. He's going to return to heaven. He knows what's coming. We do too. Acts is coming soon, so the church is coming. And all the while, Jesus is saying, okay, let's get ready. This is what it looks like to be my disciple. And last week, we looked at one of those passages as Jesus was sending out the 72, saying, you know, don't take anything with you. I'll provide for you. Stay in the house that, that um, greets you in. And then they came back and had these amazing stories of everything that God was doing through them. And then we have this grouping of three stories, and Mary and Martha is one of those. So we're going to look at those three stories within the context of understanding from Jesus what it looks like for you and I to be a disciple. So we're going to um, look at first one. The first one is kind of like setting up the whole problem, what we're trying to address. So this is the first story. Um, this is Luke 20, uh, 10, 25. One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him the question, teacher, what should I do to inherit life, eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? It's kind of a a little snotty question that he throws in at the end. See, what he's trying to do is say, I'm a religious guy. I know the law. I've got this down. I'm on your team, right, Jesus? That's really what he wanted to hear. And he knew that he wasn't really loving his neighbor very well. So he's just trying to say, like, but really, I mean, come on. It's, it's all about, you know, doing the stuff and, and knowing the stuff about you. I'm on your team, right? And so Jesus now responds with these two stories. And we're just going to read through them both, and then we're going to talk about them. So think about those in light of what you just heard from this religious teacher. Go ahead. Jesus replied with a story. You probably know the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. 
The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked, and the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Story one. Let's go ahead and move on to the second story. As Jesus, which you already read, um, and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at each of these to see what we can learn. But I think if you take these two stories together, first of all, there are some things that we can, that we can capture, just overall ideas that Jesus is wanting to communicate. The first thing, which I think is pretty important, because think back to this lawyer guy. Like, he's just trying to justify himself. And if I were in Jesus' shoes, I probably would have maybe shared the first story with a little twist, kind of to crack him upside the head. Like, what's your problem? Of course you need to be loving your neighbor because he just wanted to hold up one side of this big commandment. But Jesus has something else in mind. And if we look at both of these stories together, we see that these, these two commandments are not mutually exclusive. You don't do only one of them. You do them both. And they actually spring from each other. When we love God, we find ourselves aligned with God's heart. And suddenly we begin to love the things that God loves. So we naturally love our neighbor. And in return, as we are participating in the work of the kingdom, to heal and restore our world, we fall more and more in love with a God who's after that same goal. So they just, they're, 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 they go hand in hand here. The second thing I think we can see is that Jesus' call to be a disciple requires that we are all in. We see this from the Samaritan who's caring to love his neighbor and he gives of his time, of his resources, of everything to make sure that he's fully cared for. We also see this as Mara, Mary, sorry Mara, who's at <laughs> Jesus' feet she is sitting there and ignoring everything else in the room for the sake of knowing her Savior more and more, her God more and more. We are all in as disciples of Jesus. And the last thing, Jesus' call to be a disciple can look different for each of us. That's what I think I want to see as we look at these passages together. So let's first look at the story of the Good Samaritan I mentioned that you probably, um, you can move forward to that slide, you probably heard this story if you're like me growing up in the church in Sunday school and you had the flannel graph, you know, the, um, the, the character that was always thrown up for the priest and everything was like the shifty-eyed, kind of like mean-looking character and he comes along and sees this, this man in the street and kind of moves around him, you know, like this, the, the like dun, 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 music that's in the, the VeggieTales cartoon and stuff like that. So, where we always see this story is like the good hero is the Samaritan and the bad guy is these priests, this priest in this temple, this temple worker. Um, but if you take a look at this story, you notice that um, that's not at all how Jesus is telling it. He doesn't say anything negative about the temple worker or the priest. Instead, what we're seeing is two characters that are playing a part. We see that one is playing the role of loving God with all their heart and their soul and their mind. And the other one is playing the part of loving the neighbor as herself. 
So in the context of what's going on here, the priest and the temple worker, they were doing everything that they would have been expected to do because they were serving. They were doing the priestly duties. Will. So just for the rest of you, we had a conversation yesterday about how this church was built on priestly duty jokes. Um, if, you, if you don't think it's funny, then uh, you don't get it or you're an adult. Um, so uh, these guys, they're doing the right thing. They are serving with everything. They couldn't touch a body at ri- to, because otherwise they'd be risk, at risk of being unclean. And so they couldn't do that. So they were actually fulfilling this commandment and doing what they should have been doing. And then the Samaritan comes, and the focus on the story is not that the Samaritan did something way over the top. It's not about what he did, because any Jew at the time would have done the same thing for another Jew. The point is that a Samaritan would have been, um, they would have been kind of enemies with the Jews. So for him to come and choose to do this demonstrates this is loving your neighbor. So the whole point of this story is Guy asking this question, sure, loving God, but also important to love your neighbor. Then we come to the next story, Mary and Martha. And the roles are reversed. That's what I think is really interesting. You've got Mary, whose role in this story is to be the one who's interested in loving God with all her heart and soul and mind. And for us, usually that's the one in the story that at first glance we might see as the hero. But we have Martha, who is interested in loving her neighbor as herself. These would not have been seen as opposing forces Martha was serving and caring really well. And I do want to point out that Joe did an awesome message on this a couple years back or so. I don't remember how long. Maybe it was a year ago or something like that. Anyway, you should look back in the archives because she did a great job kind of explaining just what it was for Martha to serve really well. And uh, also, they would, these two together would have been seen as church leaders in the area. It's, under, it's believed that they were contributing financially to Jesus' work. Some of what we see Martha doing would have indicated that she would have been a deacon. So these were leaders in the church at the time, and Jesus wouldn't be bashing them. So here's what we do. We see, we see Mary has chosen, um, I'm going to sit at the Lord's feet. I'm going to love God with all her heart. Here's Martha who comes out and says, hey, what's going on? I'm serving. I'm doing all this stuff, and she's not helping me at all. And here's where we miss What's going on is because the translation I read earlier is actually not the greatest translation of all this. Um, What would better be understood as Martha comes to Jesus and says, "I'm I'm doing the work here. I'm serving really well. Why doesn't she come and help me out? Jesus turns to her and says, like, Martha, you are serving so well. You are spending your time putting out the rolls, this meal, the dessert, caring for the drinks, caring so well for all of your guests. It's kind of like pointing out all these different things, these portions that Martha is carrying out. And Jesus makes a food pun. He basically is saying like, here's what you're doing in your portion. Here's Mary's. You see what the difference there? He's saying like, you're doing a great job. Keep serving. This is Mary's service. She is sitting at my feet. She is learning as my disciple. And what I love about this is uh, back again to this, Jew, this leader, this religious lawyer asking this question. Jesus isn't coming around to smack him upside the head like I would. He's instead trying to refocus his attention to what's right. So in the story of Mary and Martha, it's more like, um, I mean, come on, you know how this goes. Uh, when we visit our nieces and nephews, one of them will come up like 10 times a day. Like, oh, Lucas is being really bad, you know? And, like, he gets so sick of that. So what's the typical response, right? It's like, don't worry about Lucas. Worry about yourself. 
That's what's happening here, is Jesus is saying, keep on serving, keep on committing yourself to the commandment to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, and she's just gonna do the same. You worry about you, you come with everything that you are, and you focus on following, the, following me as a disciple in your way. So our concern as members of the kingdom is this, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our strength, and mind, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And I don't know what that is for you. Um, I don't get to direct that. I think there's something in us since creation that has always wanted to be in charge, that we've said, God, I can do a better job, and we put ourselves over God in the garden. And from then, we've always just wanted to draw lines in the sand of who's in, who's out, who's doing the right things because they had better look like me. But Jesus is saying, your focus is wrong. I've got this. Just be who you are and pursue me. Just come. Come. Love me and love your neighbor, and the rest I take care of. We're going to end there in the same place. Um, It's like the song, you can go your own way, as the end of the lyrics that work for this message. Um, So that was Mara's contribution to this, you know. Um, Maybe we can uh, think about another Fleetwood Mac song of... uh, um, don't stop thinking about tomorrow, the kingdom's on us. On anyway, oh, I'll mention another contribution Mara, Mara made to this message today is I was trying to think of how to paint this picture of us being who we are and stepping into everything. And she said, well, are you going to make fun of yourself? And I'm like, by the way, we have a very loving marriage. Um, so she said, you know, and she stood up. I'm not kidding. She like came over. It was like she hiked up her pants and like hunched over and pushed up glasses and said, I'm David. And I like to learn by reading really boring technical manuals. And I'm like, thank you. I mean, fair enough. It's true. Um, appreciate that. The impression was spot on. But that's the thing is we do, each of us come with everything that we are, our own unique skills and abilities, and God created you specially to be who you are. You've invested yourself to to hone skills and to make everything that you are and everything that you contribute. And so Jesus' invitation to become a disciple is just come with all of that. Come and be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is guiding you and leading you to participate in the work of the kingdom and just do that. That's what we're interested in. As we talk about, you know, we've always used metaphors of like, get on the bus, get a seat, or grab an oar and row. That's not on the bus, that's in the boat. Um, All these things, this is just about us being, you be you, you do the thing, and together, if we're moving toward God, we're gonna trust that the kingdom's coming, and it's coming in a powerful way. You can reach people I can't reach. You can do things I can't do, and together, the kingdom of God will be accomplished as we are all pushing forward as disciples. So, to wrap up today, I just want to challenge you this week. Is it, um, I know we've got cards that you take out from, this is new to me, you take the cards out um, in front of you, the connect cards, right, on the back of it, there's instructions, and we do this intentionally so that you have something to take home and for you to focus on this week. So here's what I want you to consider. The first thing is a little bit of an act of self-reflection. It's just to take a little bit of time. You can do this now as we move into worship. You can write down the question. You can do it at home during the week. I just want you to ask yourself, am I saying I am all in? Is my desire to love God and to love others? Am I on board? So just like the lawyer needed to ask that question of himself and Jesus needed to reframe his thinking, do that for yourself. Am I, am I in on this? 
The second thing I want you to do is take an inventory of all that you are. What are you good at doing? What are you passionate about? What are your spiritual gifts? If you don't know what those are, we can help you with that. I definitely would encourage you not only to get prayer, to discover how God has uniquely gifted you to participate in this church, but also seek out leadership. I know Amanda's not here today, but we can connect you with her to take you through a skill, like a, a, um, a gifts assessment to understand more clearly who you are. Just start to take inventory of, of who you are and be asking God. The third thing, this week, ask God to show you how you can be a member of the kingdom of God. Just uniquely you, being you, loving God and loving your neighbor. Reveal to me, God, this week how I can be an active participant in all of that. That's what we want to do. That's our take home. So as, as everyone comes up, I just want to close in prayer. Mary's going to come up and lead us in, into our uh, ministry time in a closing song. Um,